Welcome to What's Your Beef? Each week we will introduce you to people working in the beef industry and some of the characters that help deliver the iconic event that is Beef Australia. Hello, welcome to What's Your Beef? I'm Jane Cudahy. Today we're standing under a beautiful tree on um, a property with cattle producer Peter Chiesa. Peter, welcome to What's Your Beef? Thank you, Jane. Thanks for your time. We are here on a stunning property uh, in North Queensland near Ingham. Tell us a little bit about this block and what you do up here. Uh, the block we're on at the moment is uh, Mangala Station. It's, um, it was turned back to traditional owners in the early 2000s, I believe. Um, Atkinson's used to own it before that. Uh, they used to have a pretty successful drought master and um, and horse sort of stud that operated out of here. Um, yeah, it's a it used to be a five thousand acre property. It's now two thousand acre cattle property. Um, yeah, a fair bit of history in Mungala. This is where the drought master was developed. Now we'll go on to your various other exploits, but at the the reason we're here is to talk beef. You were the ripe age of fourteen when you first started your cattle enterprise. How did that come about? Um, well, actually, where we are at Mangala, um, there's a, another old Brahmin breeder slash uh, doctor, Dr. Peter Tuxworth of Hallionay's uh, Red Brahmins. He had a, had a fair passion with Brahmins as, as well as we, um, Dad and his brothers, obviously had a few cows to supply our butcher shop as, along with a bit of cane. So I was uh, given the task through uh, different ways. Tuxy used to live just up the road from us and I ended up breaking in some cattle for him at, yeah, just while I was in primary school and, and then that sort of developed where I was showing a few more cows for him and, and I wanted a bit of piece of the action, I guess. So how did that start? I, I assume you don't just front up to a cattle sale and buy your first beast. Well, that's... <laughs> As a 14-year-old. <laughs> yeah, well, that's uh, that's the way it did actually happen. We went to... <laughs> um, obviously, we've had a, a, a long... Oh, well, my, all of my 14 years association with cattle... Um, yeah, taking cattle through to the um, to the slaughterhouse with Dad to the butcher shop um, to supply uh, our shop. Um, always had a pretty good love of of um, cattle. Uh, when we were about twelve or thirteen, Dad bought um, a larger place than oh, it's a square mile, but um, in Ingham here, one of some of the better country in Ingham, we believe. And um, so I started to get get going, and I liked to um, I wanted to supply bulls to the family sort of thing. So I thought we'd have a go and and try and buy a stud heifer and um, and go from there. So why Brahmins? Like you said that your background with, with your mentor, and we can talk about um, uh, him a bit more in a minute, but why Brahmins? I've always liked the Brahmin, always liked the character of the Brahmin with the um, the way that they are set up. They're pretty pretty intelligent cattle. They can be, um, uh, yeah, I find them very, very intelligent cattle, um, good doing cattle. Um, the resistance, the parasite resistance was a big thing for me. Like um, I would like to get back to, to less and less um, chemical use on our cattle. So I've always, always thought that, you know, an animal that's parasite resistant, heat tolerant, we're living in North Queensland, so we get cows to suit North Queensland. And how have you built that up? You uh, and your wife Mariah now have a, or lease and own a number of properties and have been slowly building up a herd. What is that process like and where are you now? Yeah, the process is a bit of a struggle. Um, at times we sort of took our, our first sleep. Um, I probably worked our herd up to 60 to 80 cows and then we took a leap and um, leased a, a larger place 
and jumped our numbers up to probably 300, 300 cows, oh, 300 heads, sorry. Um, from then, that was probably five years ago, and now through just a couple of deals that have just gone through, we're probably out to about uh, 500 and 600 breeders now. So it's, yeah, it's always, we live pretty lean, um, but yeah, we do have a passion to, to breed um, breed Brahmins, Brahmin bulls more specifically, but also um, on a greater scale of just red meat. You have mentioned a couple of times now that um, the bulls are your, your passion. Seed stock industry isn't a, an easy place to sort of just break into. How has that been like, moving in those circles? Yeah, it's always... Um, yeah, it's very interesting to be a part of the, the seed stock um, side of things. I Once I left school, we went and worked for a, a local stud, um, Tropical Cattle, stud number seven, actually one of the originals that was started. Um, we worked there for a while, and after about three, three and a half years of employment, I, um, I ended up quitting there, and we um, moved down to Rocky, where we worked through worked through and for some, some larger studs down there for at different points in time, and uh, I grabbed a bit more of a handle on what what needed to happen and and how to go about um, this bull breeding game and and now we're uh, having a red hot crack at the moment. Good on you because it is at times quite a daunting task. Now you are right on the coast here I'm looking at quite a lot of what I'd imagine would be floodplains and in Ingham it's a high rainfall area you do flood every year. What's it like managing some of these very precious uh, animals in an area such as this? Yeah, hard. Hard. Um, I was talking about a story before. Uh, December 2018, we had 710 mil here overnight. Uh, where this place here it was um, in full flood, we had to fly fly down from where we're currently living, about 70 k's north, in a helicopter to get here as the roads were closed and try and inspect um, where the cattle were. We were hoping they'd found the high ground. Uh, luckily, they had, but. That's uh, one story. We flood here quite regularly. Um, we sort of uh, make sure most of our paddocks have, have enough high ground and, and in a wet season we, we sort of reduce paddocks down to as much as 25% of their carrying capacity um, just in case that sort of a flood does or when when it happens. It's not if it happens, it's sort of when it happens. Um, that's just sort of the ways. We can't have a calf here born um, after Christmas um, up until back into April oh well May um, we sort of yeah you'll you'll lose them every day of the week those fellas there if not um, with naval infections and, and rain schooled or there'd be yeah any amount of yeah issues that come along with a, with the calf born then you're managing quite a number of how many places are you managing with with cattle with your least country and your the stuff you own um, we'd be getting up to 2,000 acres on the coast, I guess, and there's a bit more, uh, might be another 4,000 acres that we've just just acquired um, in a in drier sort of climate. Um, yeah, it's, so it's pretty heavily stocked. We look after a neighbour's place here at Mungulla. It's, an, it's another couple thousand acres, I believe, running about 1,600 head or, or something to that effect. That's a lot of miles and, and weather patterns in between. So how, how do you manage the consistency of your operation? As best we can. <laughs> um, yeah, we just sort of have to do as much planning as we can and, and make sure that you've got a day spare for, for every place and, and then yeah, try and match your weeks in to um, get a block to, to get things achieved, either fences or selling cattle or mustering and, and that sort of gig. We're still only um, 
yeah, husband and wife sort of operation at the moment, and, you know, obviously still calling on dad to come in and, and help out with the, in the yards and, a, and my brother and, and whatnot. But, yeah, we're yeah, getting there. Um, you are moving into a bit more organic uh, meat. This country with the water and ticks and all sorts of things and bugs, that could be quite difficult. Yeah, it is quite difficult, and I don't know if we'll ever get uh, certified here. But yeah, I just have a bit of a bit of a passion to to go away from from chemicals a bit more, just on an animal animal health thing. With and it, but yeah, we do have to make sure that our ticks and buffalo flare parasites that um don't build up too much on the on the crossbred cattle that we do do sort of run. Yeah, it it is a struggle, but hopefully I can work it out in the next sixty years. <laughs> Just at a small time frame. Um, so, no, but the marketability of organic beef, like there is a bit more of a market for that in Australia. Um, so surely that must be playing a, a little bit into the equation too? Um, yeah, yeah, I think um, I think it is. Uh, relatives, uh, Mariah's family do run a, run a pretty large-scale organic operation down in the Clermont area. Um, I think they yeah, they get paid quite well. Um for their for their animals that they're producing, but they do a lot of hard yards um, getting there. They're obviously in a bit drier climate, um, so yeah, it makes it a little bit easier on that front. But yeah, that is um, monetarily it um, it does add up a bit. Yeah, we can all have dreams, I guess. <laughs> now you are the northern representative for the Australian and Brahmin Breeders Association. How um, how important is those sort of breed industry bodies to to what you do? Uh, personally, yeah, I, I find it to be uh, fairly important. I try and make the most of it. Um, being the chairman of the North, um, getting around to see as many breeders as we can. Uh, we're going around on a tour next week to to view vendors that are that have got bulls in for, a, for the Gold City sale. That's in November. Um, go around and, and catch up with our, our um, vendors and, and bull breeders and Brahmin breeders alike. And we also do a tour at the. Um, in about August, we'll go around and try and um, try and just see producers of Brahmins and where the, when they've bought bulls at at our at the Brahmin uh, Brahmin sponsored sales, either Brahmin Week or, or Gold City. Um, try and get around and see how the bulls are going and and what the how the breed get the producers to tell us where the breed should be going as our our consumers are our our market. It's been more of a push for a number of industries to move more online in recent times. Um, and, you know, the cattle sales, bull sales, seed stock sales is just something that's been ingrained in um, our industry for a long time. Do you still see them being such a, um, an important part of how we uh, market our cattle? I, I do believe so. Um, I, I do believe that a bull sale or, or thereabouts, somewhere where all the producers can get together and, and have a yarn and a beer about, you know, what they're doing and how they're going about it. I think that sort of, um, with fellas in rural Australia, obviously, I think it's, um, you probably don't do that as much as you should, I believe. And I think a bull sale is a, a very good place for that to sort of, that to happen. That's a networking things, that's a healthy part of agriculture anyway, isn't it? Yeah, networking, correct. But yeah, I still think that, yeah, sharing ideas and, and again, yeah, talking to you, um, talking to your clients or potential clients of, of what they sort of want in their bull so we can have a direction to, to breed towards them. I think um, you can get a bit tunnel vision staying at home and yeah, if you move to a full online platform and and I don't know how many people like picking up the phone and, and ringing, um, 
you know, ringing people, I think it's um, much better, much easier to have a face-to-face conversation than, than over the phone, personally. And, yeah, I think that's that's my opinion on it. We're moving to a... We'll have an online uh, female sale towards the end of the year, no doubt. Um, but, yeah, I still believe that a, a face-to-face auction thing is... A, I think it's a healthy atmosphere to be a part of. And you just like driving, don't you, with all these properties and stuff? You just love it. Yeah, it just goes with the country, yeah. There's a lot of... A lot of um, miles to cover, and yeah, I don't mind seeing um, seeing what's about. There's um, yeah. your kids must be pretty good in the car then. Very good, very <laughs> good, better than most. Only by um, not by choice though, by force. Um, yeah, I, I think um, you need to get out and, and have a look, and not stay in your stay in your little on your dunghill, I guess. Quite a lot of, well, the the Brahmin breed has changed over time when you look at even photos of beasts back in the day and the technology and the genetics available, it's, it, they've evolved over the last, you know, 30, 40 years. You're relatively new to the industry. Um, how do you see the Brahmin breed uh, going forward? Are there many more changes or, or um, developments to come? Oh, I think there's still yeah. The um the Brahm breed's relatively a, a young breed as as it is. It's sort of only been developed over the last few hundred years compared to European breeds that have been bred that way for you know up to thousands of years. I think the Brahmins have a have a long way to come. We've seen in a very short space of time when they came to Australia, some in the 30s, some in the 50s, and and from the 60s onwards. Um, what a um when the first Brahmin came to Australia was only allowed to be in the Melbourne Zoo. It wasn't actually classed as a, a breed, you know, a beef breed or anything. And now we're sort of, we're, yeah, I think we're one of the main leaders, definitely in northern Australia, the leaders in in um, the cattle industry. Brisbane Show a few years ago, we had some of the um, largest eye muscle, three of the three bulls at the show were the largest ice muscle bulls at the show. So to, to go from whenever that bull came into the Melbourne Zoo not being classed as a beef breed to having the most beef at a at a show I think is a, a fairly fairly big leap in, in quite a short uh, amount of time in the scheme of things. You're a butcher's son so I imagine when you're looking across the paddock like we are now um, everything looks delicious but what is it you've gone into the seed stock industry uh, which is quite a specialized breed when you've got your butcher's son butcher hat on what do you, how do you look differently at a beast? Oh well, that's just the way I look at a beast. It's all about yeah, all about beef production. We're um we're about meat and um so yeah, I think the the fastest growing, quickest breeding sort of cattle is, is where we, we need to be. At um uh the butcher's trade we like to have a, a, a younger, smaller carcass, um, to be able to process that and and, and um have that that smaller steak to smaller T bone to be able to, to sell that um on. Uh, with with good enough fat cover, so yeah, we are looking for for those those selected traits. I guess I sort of have um, I do have a butcher's hat, I guess, and a, and a female breeding hat on as well. I, I guess so. We just got to um, just balance the two up. I, I do believe a lot of a lot of breeding is about balancing uh, balancing act of yeah what you think you need and what actually needs to happen. Now, um, beef production in the modern era, we have any amount of data and information available at our fingertips. Depending on which camp you're in, you know, sometimes we have too much data and maybe it comes down to not knowing what to do with data. Um, But EBVs are one of those tools in the seed stock industry that's available. Uh, Do you think enough people are taking it up and using it to its full ability? 
No, I don't think so. Um, I believe. First of all, are you an EBV user? Um, we we've we're a breed plan member. Um, I use it. I use a lot more uh, with the genomics sort of thing. We do DNA test our and you know, all our sires and and our leading and our leading cows at this point in time. And I assume as we get further on, and I'm happier with the cattle, we will be moving towards. Uh, full genomics testing on on the whole herd to um to get you know what's underneath as well as as, as what is visual. I was, I come into the industry at a point in time where um into the Brahmins where uh, growth was a was a major um was a major focus and where um yeah, a lot of people focused on growth and they, those uh, two four and six hundred day EBVs and I've probably got pretty sour about that because the, the cattle never formed or the or the numbers never added up from what the numbers said to what I saw in front of me I am coming around a lot more to EBVs um on a on a fee, on a fertility side of things is where I think the most the most value is going to be and so that's why we're going down the genomics track and and comparing what a cow's doing in the paddock and what a what a data says, and if that lines up, I'm happy to move forward with those figures. And does that come back to a traceability aspect too? When our foreign markets are demanding more and more of the backstory, the life it's had, where it's come from, what's in it, you know, this surely all ties together some way to to how we ultimately get paid. Yeah, I, I probably think Northern Australia is still a little bit behind, like the, the south of Australia. So I don't think we're as as heavily thing, but yeah, we, it's obviously on the horizon, and it's um it's going to come through harder than ever. I was involved with a few meetings a few years ago about how blockchain sort of worked, where someone could have a piece of steak in front of them and they could have a, a whole story back to whose farm it was produced on. That's sort of thing. that's pretty exciting sort of stuff if that can that, that can come off successfully. But yeah bit of accountability on on everyone's part i do believe more data helps all the the number crunches work out how to how to breed cattle i guess <laughs> radio well i hear that you have quite a fantastic beast over in the well a female over in the yards but you might go and have a look is that okay sounds good Right, Peter Kieza, we are looking at this beautiful female in the paddock here. Tell me, tell me who we're looking at. Uh, NCC Dianka three five six two. And you had your checkbook out on the day that um, you purchased her. Yeah, we did. Um, between me and four other mates, uh, we paid forty five thousand for this um, red cow. <laughs> you, you make it sound so simple. Just paid forty five thousand for the red cow. What? Um, what stood out to you? So when you're looking at her, what stood out to you that, that you had to have her? Uh, probably having around Bramwick, um, obviously on the beers with a, with a couple of mates. And we saw a picture of this heifer um, in the, on the online catalogue as it was at the time. And we looked up a pedigree. I'd, I've done a bit of work down at NCC, did a couple of bull sales uh, down there. And so I knew the cow line, both cow lines fairly well. And and both on the dam side and the sires side, um, they probably represent the two best red cows that came out of um, Africa that um, Nobsy carved out over here as embryos. So that was that was fairly appealing to us. The cow looked at the goods, and and then yeah, when we um, we had half an idea, and then we got there on the sale day, and 
thought, yeah, we should um, should not miss the opportunity to purchase this cow. And we're, she's standing here with a beautiful daughter. Uh, are you happy with the, the first progeny that you've you've received? Yeah, so we've we've owned the um, IVF'd her to sort of poly bulls and, and bred her with poly bulls. Um, so the calf here, my brother actually owns. He was one of the one of the five involved with his this, and this was the first cow that he sort of he he hooked into. Um, this cow's by Ulline uh, Manziel. He was a thirty-eight thousand dollar sire that Campbell Lawson Lawson and Bill Campbell did, um at Big Country one year. Uh, that was doing a very good job, and we thought we'd have to have to give her a burl and they're very very excited with the um the progeny that um that they've produced there's another three sisters that we'll put in an online auction in in october um that'll go up uh, full sisters to this to this heifer now i'm i'm assuming that most listeners to uh our podcast know their way around um the sale yards and and a brahmin cow but if you're just picture yourself in uh in the show ring at, at beef australia Talk us through what what were you looking for? What are the traits on um, on this cow that you would be watchful of? Yeah, she catches your eye, obviously, as she she pokes around. She's a big, beautiful outlook cow. She's got that lovely U neck, that lovely feminine U neck that she that um, I do like to see in our females. I also have a heavy selection on length and bone, and she's got plenty of both. Um, she's got great udder attachment and a, a very good udder and underline. So we're ticking a few boxes there. You get in behind her. Very full in behind the hump. Very a uh, lot of beef in the cow, and I think just the overall feminine look about her. But the powerhouse of um, of carcass in her is sort of where we've um, where we've got to on her. She's got a, a very feminine cow with a, with a lovely big muzzle, long long flowing tail, which I like to see in our Brahmin cows. It gives us that that uh, purity, I believe, in our cows. Um, I think yeah, she's an outstanding female. And going forward, um, her progeny are, are standing the test of time. Uh, the way they're going, there's, a, there's an awesome uh, grey poly bull calf that we just weaned off her. He's about eight months old on North Queensland, and he weaned at 360 kilos. Nice. He's, um, he's got the beef about him, but I hope that um, we can get her fertility traits that, that come through him as well. See, that wasn't so hard, was it? That was like we were in the show ring there. You've got her catalogue all sorted. <laughs> um, so, as you said, a lot more goes in it, into this selection than aesthetics. You've had a couple of beers when you're looking at the catalogue. So, what are, what else are you looking for? We touched on data before. Um, yeah. So, I sort of, before the sale was on, I, um, I asked Brett to um, to get her, get her ovaries and get her track sort of... Um, uh, ultrasound sort of thing so we tried to work out how many um if she was a, a good producer of eggs um quality we couldn't obviously tell that until um we did did flush her but she had an amazing amount of eggs on on there and actually um the the technician who did it Luis at uh, at IGT they he offered a, a free free collection in this care because he, he knew he was going to make some money when he produced the embryos <laughs> <laughs> they're the friends care. you want so, yeah yeah so that was um <laughs> That was part of the bonus of when we bought this cow, but that there, like I said before, I, I know both the um, the cows on the sire side and the dam side. I knew they'd be good producers and 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 breeding on in in the Brahmin breed. So um, we we're very yeah happy with that. Now, Beef Australia is one of the showcase events for the beef industry in Australia. It only comes around once every three years. So going on your age, you've what been to two. <laughs> I think 2012, maybe 09 was our was our first go around. We were a young fella trying to yeah 
What's, what's your highlight? Like, there's a lot to take in that week. Well, I reckon the um, the interbreed judging that's always um, that's always a good one. I don't think it's the top one, but it'd be in the top three. Going and, and sitting down and watching the interbreed and and watching the over judge or judges um, make their selection and and uh, hopefully getting the Brahmin up if he if he's <laughs> if he's good enough. Um, they did from memory. The Brahmins did quite well last time around. Yeah, they did very well. Um, there was a um, there was a young calf there that. That could have gone gone right through. I think the cow. We we've been placing high there for the last in the top five for um, as many as I can remember. Um, Two. <laughs> no, I'm joking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, what else is there? It's just yeah. It's a good social event. Yeah. Uh, the first couple of times we used to get to the hats and heels sort of um, cocktail party that was on the Friday night. That was that's always a um, a wipeout mm-hmm. at the end of a very very big week. Mm-hmm. And then probably um, the night after showing, as we're, we're generally showing for someone or our own cattle, a uh, big relief of the day being over and and hooking into a few beverages. Networking. It's Network, networking. Networking. Call That's it what networking. it is. Networking. Now, as a butcher son, I've been asking everybody this question that's been a guest on our podcast. I want to know what you cook on your Wednesday night dinners. I don't want show pony, you know, fancy things for friends on a Saturday. What's your go-to? And I guess you don't even have to go to the supermarket. I guess you can just go to the butcher shop, just can't you? Butcher shop. <laughs> what are you rating? Um, well, if we're we're feeling pretty good, there's um. Well, my uncle's the butcher, not my dad, but in the family, um, Uncle Mario does a pretty good uh, pepper rum, pepper st- uh, pepper rum. So that's always a go-to. But we have been leaning towards the um, red wine porterhouse. Uh, yeah, red wine and garlic porterhouse that he does are very you know, nearly couple inch thick sort of um porterhouse steak and that sort of Mariah yeah, throws her on the um on the Weber and then for a little bit to sear him off and then puts him in the oven and and does a pretty handy job with that. Bit of um sweet potato chip she does up. Well I'm uh, what night should I come for dinner? What did we say, Wednesday night? <laughs> yeah, mate, that's uh whatever night when guests are over. But um yeah, no, that's that's my go to. A good good bit of steak. Peter Chiesa, thank you so much for being part of What's Your Beef? Thank you very much for your time. Thanks for listening. You can hit subscribe to make sure you don't miss any of our episodes. And if you are enjoying listening to the show, we would appreciate a quick rating and review. Visit beefaustralia.com.au for more information on this great event.